This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Hello everyone, Ben Sadler here, We're continuing our Wednesday morning Bible studies and uh, wanted to continue to do a little deeper dive into Pastor Bill's sermon. Uh, we're con- starting a new sermon series called uh, Who Told You That? And the whole idea of this sermon series is to talk about things that um, that, that maybe we don't recognize how we, we're, we're always being discipled. We're always being told different messages and it's shaping the way that we're thinking and we don't even recognize who we're hearing them from. And so we wanted to call this sermon, who, this sermon series, Who Told You That? And, uh, and so the first sermon was on who told you that, uh, that, that God is against science or Christianity is anti-science. And, and so we're, we're focusing especially on the letter to the Romans. And uh, I'll just go through some of the Bill's, Pastor Bill's points and then uh, and talk a little bit about the background of, of Romans and hopefully this will lead to some discussion and help you understand the letter a little bit more. Uh, I want to just say a quick prayer. Lord God, thank you for this time to study your word. Pray that you would give us some insight as we look at your word and we grow in our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in. So I'm just going to, again, jump right in to Romans chapter 1. Let me share the screen here. And uh, so this is Romans chapter 1. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, and this is kind of a classic introduction. When they wrote their letters, they, uh, they began explaining who was the writing. So the apostle Paul, he calls himself as Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in the power or in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So right away in the introduction, he's already laid out what he's all about. He's Paul. He's a servant. He's an apostle. He's one of um, kind of the, he calls himself an apostle abnormally born uh, in the letter to the Corinthians He originally persecuted the church. He thought Jesus was not the Messiah. He thought Jesus was a fraud and the Christian movement was was against uh, the true biblical Christian or uh, the Hebrew Bible. Um, But then he had that that awakening on the road to Emmaus where he became a Christian. And then he came to this understanding that Jesus was, was, according to his earthly life, was a descendant of David. So Jesus had an earthly ancestry, and that's why so much of the Old Testament is following the ancestors of of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, because God promised that through the line of of this Hebrew people, through the tribe of Judah, through the line of David, he would bring in the Messiah. So he had an earthly uh, lineage. And then according to the spirit of holiness, he's also the son of God. So true man and true God. And because of his resurrection, we know that he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus uh, Christ is not his last name. It's Messiah, the King, the anointed one. So Jesus, the King, our Lord. And through him, we receive grace and apostleship, this calling to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also 
are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So this is a big mission that God gave to Paul was um, not just to talk to his own people, the Jews, but it was always part of God's eternal plan to reach people beyond the Jews, to have this multi, um, to, to have this multi-ethnic um, uh, church. And so that's what, that, that's what we see here. And now he's writing to the Romans. He says, to all in Rome, loved by God and called to be God's holy people. And then a, a traditional greeting, uh, the Greek greeting, grace, and the Hebrew greeting, shalom. So uh, grace and peace do from God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so now he begins kind of explaining uh, why he's writing and what he's doing. Uh, it says, first, I want to thank God, my God, through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Paul's never been to Rome. This is different than all of his other letters. There's 13 letters in, in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 letters. So 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament written by Paul. And this is the only letter that we know of that he, he, didn't, he didn't start this church. He started churches in Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and all these other letters that he wrote in Philippi, letter to the Philippians. But to Rome, he hadn't been there yet. This church started some other way, maybe on its own, maybe after Pentecost, groups of Christians gathered there. We don't really know. But he's writing them saying, man, I can't wait to get there. And he says later on in the letter, I hope to use Rome as a launch pad because I want to get to Spain. I want to I reach the ends of the earth. And so that's kind of interesting. So other letters that Paul writes, he's usually answering a problem. He's usually saying, um, you know, there's, there's this corruption going on in the church. I need to address this. There's a false teaching going on in the church. I need to address this. There, there's a, a, a need for getting an offering, and I'm going to address that in the letter. Here, Paul's not really addressing a, an issue necessarily. Uh, his desire is to lay out the foundation of the Christian faith. Um, one great desire, a huge desire for Paul is that that. God would use the Jewish nation to reach the Gentiles, that God would use um, the, the people who know about Jesus, who are already Christians, to reach the outsiders, and there would be no division among them. And so there would be this worldwide, unified, multi-ethnic church, followers of Jesus, disciples. That's his really goal. So he's laying out, he's going to lay out in this letter, um, really, the, the foundation of the Christian faith. How, how all people are, both Jews and Gentiles, are under the same sentence of sin and judgment and how we get right with God, how we become enough with God in Jesus Christ and how that changes everything. And, and that creates that multi-ethnic uh, worldwide uh, church. So he's never been there. And so he's not really answering a problem. He, is, he says, I long to see you so I may impart some spiritual gift to you to make you strong. I, that is, I mean, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know, I want to give you a gift, but I also know that you could encourage me. We can work together. I do not want to be unaware, brothers and sisters. I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you so that I may have, as I've had among other Gentiles. So 
Again, Paul is just focused on reaching the Romans so that he can continue to use that as a springboard to reach the rest of the, the world, the rest of non-Jewish world. Okay. And he's laying this all out. I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And then what is the gospel? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It, it means good news. I'm not ashamed of this good news because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For the gospel, um, for in the gospel, the righteousness how do you get right with God? The righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just that is written, the righteous will live by faith. So God's justice, his righteousness, his, um, it, it's, it's revealed, it's, it's received by faith. And that'll be a big theme. And, and that's such a powerful message that Paul is going to lay out. He's not ashamed of that message. He wants to proclaim this good news of God's salvation that we become righteous by trusting in Jesus as our Savior. Okay, that's kind of the introduction. And now Paul gets into this idea, and I want to talk about uh, this whole idea of science and faith. And, and, and so he begins kind of talking about, uh, talking about the pagan world, the, the, the world. He says, those people who don't know God, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known to them about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Now, this is what Pastor Bill uh, preached on, and he mentioned that you know there is this idea that that Christianity is against science. That that there is this battle, and I loved how Pastor Bill said, you know, doesn't need to have a battle. You don't need to fight about this. There's because look at what Paul is saying. That God's wrath is being revealed because people suppress their truth, suppress the truth about God. Because what needs to be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them through creation. For since, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the eternal power, divine nature, they're clearly seen. How do we clearly see the invisible God? From what has been made. And so what science is, science is studying the things that God has made. That's what science is. Now, God, you know, the Bible is not against studying the things that God has made. It's just against kicking God out of the picture. So uh, there's a couple of things I'd like to talk about here. Um, so Dan Brown, who wrote The Da Vinci Code and other books, um, he, he writes these, these kind of um, you know, fiction uh, and, and kind of throws some historical ideas in there. His most famous one is he yeah, had The Da Vinci Code. And in there, he kind of is trying to tell the story and make it kind of risque that, that, oh, Christianity is actually this, this, um, you know, there, there's this false underlying story that nobody wants to admit that, that Jesus really didn't exist. Or if he did, the story's not like it's supposed to be in And then the Da Vinci code that, that Da Vinci really know the truth that Jesus, he had a, had a wife 
And in, when he painted that famous Last Supper scene, that's his wife next to him, uh, not the Apostle John. So he's trying to crop, make this whole big story. Well, why, did, why is Dan Brown writing novels that try to undermine the Christian faith? Um, and he said they're fiction, obviously, uh, but he wants us to kind of, he wants people to kind of question their Christianity. Well, it all goes back to grade school. You can look this up. He talks about this in an interview where uh, when he was younger, he asked his, uh, I think, an Episcopal priest, um, he says, hey, when I go to school, I learn about dinosaurs and, and how the Big Bang and things like that. And, and when I read the Bible, I read about, you know, Adam and Eve and, and six-day creation. Um, which one is right? And his priest, his Episcopal priest said to him something like, good boys don't ask such questions. And then he says, and that moment, a light went on. The Bible doesn't make any sense. Science makes more sense. And from then on, he turned away from the Christian faith. And he had this idea that you couldn't ask questions, that you couldn't study history, that you couldn't study science, um, and that the Bible is somehow against science. There's a whole big debate on creation and things like that, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But let me just explain what science is. Science is, is studying how things work. So, like, I, I have a phone here. I can do science on the phone. In fact, um, if I had an iPhone, you know, I could learn something about the creator of the iPhone by studying the iPhone. If I was studying the original iPhone, I could learn something about Steve Jobs. I could learn that he loved music. I could learn that he loved, uh, you know, he loved simplicity and design, that he was incredibly intelligent, that he loved, he loved, um, he loved things to be, to be easy to, to use, that he was super wise, all these things, that he was an inventor. I don't, I don't know Steve Jobs, but I can learn about Steve Jobs by looking at the things that he has made. That's what this verse is saying that we understand and know the invisible God looking at the things that he has made. And so we can do science on a phone by studying the phone, taking it apart, looking at it, studying it. And just because I know how it works doesn't mean that now I don't, that, that kicks out a creator. Now I don't need Steve Jobs because I know how the phone works. And that's kind of what happens when people say, well, now I know how, how the world works. I know how biology works. I know how, how, how the, the natural world works. And now we know how it works. Now we don't need to know a creator. We don't need that anymore um, because now we know how it works. Well, just because you know how something works doesn't mean you know who made it. And what the Bible is saying here, what Paul is saying is the more we study science, the more we can marvel at the creator. Um, the other thing that maybe a distinct distinction between the different roles, like science asks, like, you know, I heard one pastor say it this way. Like if I had a chocolate cake here, I can do science on the chocolate cake. I can take the cake apart and boil it down and, and, and study the ingredients and, and, and the chemical reaction that needed to happen for it to be baked and, and turn into this cake and, and all the different ingredients that were there. I study how it's put together, the science behind it but I don't know why it was made. Maybe it was made because it's my birthday and my wife made me a cake. 
So science tells me what it is. I can study something, what it is, but I don't know the origins of it. I don't know why it's here. That's theology. That's religion. That's, that's answering the bigger why questions. The same thing about we can study um, water and, and the periodic table and, and, and biology and all these different wonderful things, the human body. I love studying that kind of stuff, but it doesn't tell me the value of a human being. It doesn't tell me how the human beings got here just because I know how the heart works and blood clot works and the lungs work. I can do science on the body, but it doesn't tell me how it got here. It doesn't answer the origin and the purpose questions uh, that I need. I need to know the creator. So, but, but here's what happens. Human beings, Paul says, they suppress the truth. We do this by natural. Naturally, we don't want a God, even though God's made himself plain to them. So, for although they knew God, they neither glorified God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became empty, futile. Their foolish hearts were dark, and although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. So instead of worshiping the true God, uh, we are we are inclined, and he's talking especially the, the Gentile world, um, inclined to worship creation. So that's what happens. You know, you're going to worship something. If you're not going to worship the true God, you might worship the animal kingdom. You might worship the natural world. Uh, you might worship something in creation if you kick the creator out. And then he talks about the sexual sin that goes on in the pagan world. Therefore, God gave them over. They want to kick God out. He says, well, then God gives them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. Sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Uh, there's a lot in here. I mean, this is a bigger topic talking about a sexual sin, especially um, you know, things outside of the, um, the, the, what God, the guidelines for marriage between one man and one woman. And he's saying anything outside of that heterosexual sex, homosexual sex, whatever it is outside of God's design of one man, one woman, um, is going against his natural design. And, and that's not how we were designed now, because we are sinful, uh, somebody, uh, you know, we have all sorts of unwanted desires and, and whether those are unwanted desires for the same sex or unwanted desires for the opposite sex, um, our, our desires are mixed up because of our depravity, because of our sin. And then furthermore, Paul goes on, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they, they do what ought not to be done. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, they also approve of those who practice them. So uh, when, when the pagan world knows in their conscience that they, they've kicked God out of their life. Um, they know they're doing things that are wrong. They know they're rebelling against God. But not only they continue to do those things, but they approve of those who practice them. Now, Paul is kind of setting this up. You need to know this in context. 
He's trying to get um, the readers, like especially the Jewish readers, think, yeah, yeah, those really bad pagans. Look at all the horrible things they're doing. Look at all those really sinful people. And then he's going to go on to Romans 2 where he says, okay, you insiders in the synagogues and the churches, you you people who grew up with the Hebrew Bible, that um, are you any better? You think you can judge them? You think you're better than these people? Because... Uh, but but look at you do the same things that they do. You're not any better. So it's it's very important that we don't just read Romans one uh, by itself without the context of Romans two. Paul's actually setting us up uh, to say, yeah, those bad people out there. Oh wait, I'm no better. And so, uh, but but really, just wanted to focus on this this verse about creation because I think it's such a beautiful, uh, clear teaching that that we should do science. We should love science. Um, that Christians should be at the top of or promoting science more than anything, because it's actually as we study the created world, we get to see the wisdom of God, the power of God, the creativity of God, the wonder of God, and 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 how good this world is. And then the reality that, but it's broken. And that's why you have things like coronavirus, and that's why you have epidemics and pandemics and and death and and all sorts of other broken things in the world because this good world has become broken because of our sin. This good world has been infected by sin, and so uh, Christians can enjoy science, uh, look for uh, you know um, vaccinations and answers, uh, but all the while understanding uh, those two things: God created the world good, and so we get to know who God is, and we should expect that things also are flawed. Not because God has a flawed is a flawed creator, but because this world that was good has been corrupted by sin. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, we just want to to be able to for for you to understand that some of these voices where people are saying, "Oh, if you're a Christian, you can't do science," uh, that's just not true. And in fact, God's word encourages us to practice science and. And, and and tells us to enjoy creation. So I hope as you are, you know, you can't do too much um, in, in this kind of lockdown mode, but I see a lot of people walking around their neighborhood. Go for a walk. Look at the beauty of creation. Uh, look at the blue sky. Look at the trees. Look at the flowers. Look at all of these wonderful things that, that God has blessed us with. And, and, and worship, and, and then try to get to know the creator behind creation. Try to get to know um, how good and, and, and wonderful God is behind creation. Okay, so that's that first thing. Um, God supports science. Now, this on Sunday, I'll be preaching on the next thing. Are, not, you know, are all religions basically the same as we go into uh, Romans chapter 3? Hope that's helpful. I love the letter of Romans. It's this beautiful um, letter on, on Paul's laying out the Christian faith, what it really looks like to be a forgiven child of God in King Jesus, and how this is a unifying uh, teaching that can unify the world under one Jesus, one King, as we come to him and bow in humility. And so I'll just close with a quick prayer, and uh, thank you for joining uh, me this morning. Lord God, help us to get out today and to enjoy your creation. Help us to see how beautiful and wonderful, how, how creative you are, how, 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 how much how, you're just this artist that paints every flower with beauty. Um, help us to worship you through creation, that we might get to know the creator as we look at the things that you have made.
Uh, we pray for all those who are sick, who are suffering, who are worried. We pray for all those who are who, um, who might be losing income or jobs that you would provide, that you would show yourself as a powerful creator and sustainer, uh, the one who loves us. And so we ask all this in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, hopefully you have a wonderful day. Uh, Pastor Bill and I are here to serve you and want to connect with you. So please uh, reach out. Uh, hopefully uh, you see that we, we want to serve you and walk with you uh, through this, this very difficult time. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.